hello and welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a podcast about all things Partick Thistle. Matt's away this week. Joining me to discuss our win over Dunfermline on penalties, Jamie McDonald. Jamie, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. Obviously, the draw was last night. Slightly disappointing, but yeah, it's good to get through in the cup anyway. And joining me as well is uh, Mark Wallace. Uh, Mark, how are you? I'm pretty good. Um, more happy now than I was in the sort of media aftermath of Saturday, but safe to say the draw kind of took a wee bit of wind at the sails, so to speak. No, definitely, we'll get on to that later on, but we'll start with the starting 11 uh, for this game. There was a, a good few changes. Ross Doherty was suspended, uh, so in came Bannigan, who had been suspended last week. Lawless went out uh, for Scott Tiffany, who came off the bench last week, and as well as that Harry Milner's back in the team. So, Jamie, when you saw the team, what were your thoughts initially? When I saw it, I was pretty pleased with it. I mean, it was a strong starting eleven. I do think we have got a strong squad. It's good to see Harry Milne get back in there, but obviously the, the big losses of Graham, Lawless, Doc, all affect how we play definitely. Doc to have seven that suspension and Lawless apparently rolled his ankle in training and, and Graham's been getting some sort of injections in his back and his back was bothering him last season as well. So hopefully another none of them are long term for Graham and Lawless and they're back in the squad for Hamilton, you'd hope. But I thought we managed okay without them. Danny Mullen deputised pretty well up top. Obviously, Graham's always going to be a loss when he's out. He's a big part of our play. He's good at holding the ball up. He's good at moving it on. He's good with the ball at his feet. So, we're always going to miss him. And especially, you know, Wallace is great getting us forward and beating his man, getting a good ball in. But So, I think we maybe did lose a little bit of attacking sharpness without them in the team. But I thought Fitzpatrick was looking lively, although it maybe wasn't his best game end product-wise. I know he did score, but I'm talking about crosses and being his man, but I still thought he was looking lively. And Mullen as well, I'm glad to see him get a chance. And it's a shame he didn't score, obviously, when that mistake from uh, Mehmet. But I was happy enough with the team. And Bannigan coming in for Doctor, he's a good kind of like-for-like replacement. It's obviously better when they can play together, but I thought the team worked well for what it was. Mark, your thoughts on the 11? Yeah, I was actually quite happy. You see, I thought... Um... Obviously, seeing um, Milne back after the Morton game, uh, I thought that was a, a big. I thought that was arguably a bigger uh, deal than uh, having Tiff starting because I thought against Morton we were very, very rigid and we couldn't. We weren't as anywhere near as good going forward. So having Milne back in there with Tiffany, I was extremely excited with the team. Obviously, like you're missing Graham, you're missing Lawless, Doherty, yeah, you can understand. Like those are all guys that, as Jamie said, they're all very important and do their and are very important in their own ways to the club and to the team. So good to have those guys back, especially considering what they're like, what they're capable of delivering and attacking sense and obviously Milne defensively as well. I thought he was actually really good on Saturday after having a wee bit of issue, maybe a wee bit shaky at times, but generally quite good. I was quite happy with the team, to be honest. Yeah, I'd agree with who we knew was out. It was kind of the best that you could have kind of hoped for, I think. And the match itself, I mean, what were your thoughts on the match, Jamie? Was it a good match? I think McCall called it end-to-end. And I kind of wouldn't disagree with that, but it's not a good end-to-end, if that makes sense. Yeah, I suppose it was end-to-end, but I feel a lot of that just came from the ball getting lumped all over the park. Quality, I thought, was lacking from both sides in the game. I don't think 
it, it wasn't a good game of football, let's be real. There wasn't too many moments of quality in the game. Fitzpatrick's goal was a good finish. and Yeah, there really wasn't, there wasn't much during normal time or extra time, to be honest. It was that exciting. I thought Dunfermline missed a couple of setters in there. That one at the back post of Chris Hamilton. I don't know how he missed that. And then they, were, they had a headed chance as well. Craig White and obviously Snedden pulled off a good save. And in the second half, I think he puts one wide as well. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't exactly filled with quality of the performance. And Snedden had a good game though. Obviously, saving the penalty in full time and that save from White in as well. I thought he commanded his box well. Unlucky not to have a clean sheet with that penalty. And obviously, I'm sure we'll get on to the penalty issue. But I actually thought it was a bit harsh, to be honest. Now I've seen it back. I know people were saying... I saw some people say they thought it was definitely a penalty. Dunfermline fans say that. Anyway, I don't think it was that bad a tackle. We may have stupid them here to put hands on him, but I don't think it was blatant. I think the guy's gone down quite easily, but I wouldn't say it was a great game of football, but the the end was exciting with a penalty shoot. It's always going to be fun with a penalty shoot. Mark, what was it like watching us um, in a penalty shootout? Obviously, we're not exactly known for being calm and sort of easy going to watch, but... Putting us in a penalty shootout just seems unnecessarily yeah. intense. What were your thoughts going into it and how did you think it unfolded? Well, I was obviously very apprehensive because the Fermer obviously ended the second half of extra time very much on top. And I thought my initial worry was if they elect to shoot into the city end, then I think it would take away a lot of the the sort of ability for the, the fans to maybe a wee bit of gamesmanship it would maybe take away from that. But once uh, Benedictus missed the first penalty, I was a lot more confident about us going through. I thought the, the, the t- all the takers were good picks, I suppose. Considering that we've had some issues with penalties this season and going back into last season, fairly happy but. It was only after um, that first miss I felt I was like, all right, this is going to be okay because I just thought with the momentum that Dunfermline had that they were probably going to continue it through because I did think they kind of edged they edged it. I don't think they were drastically better as I've seen some Dunfermline fans say they outplayed us. I don't think they did. But the penalty decision with Reese Breen and Adam Muretti touched that in a wee minute. Uh, I didn't think it was a penalty. And according to... My mate, who's a who works for the Dead Family Press, apparently Reese Breen said it was outside the box, like holding outside the box, and it's one of them. Like if it's on the line, it's in. I can see where the referees made the decision, but from seeing it on the highlights, I don't think I didn't think it was. It's interesting because I am um, I I thought it was definitely a penalty. I mean, I find penalty discourse the most boring. Um, chat and <laughs> football at the moment, especially obviously living in Glasgow surrounded by old firm fans. But um, well, I mean, McCall thought it was a penalty. McCall straight up said that it's definitely a penalty. It's harsh, but it's definitely a penalty. Um, and looking at back, there's um, the SFA put out Scottish Cup highlights and they've got an angle of it from the bing end. And yeah, he's just holding on to his shirt and pulling them back. Like he's, he's, give, he's given the referee a decision to make. If, if it goes. If, if it's if it, if that was up the other end and it was oh, the other way around, it was Breen on Muirhead and he was pulling him, you'd be screaming for it. So I didn't. I, th- I thought it was a bit soft, but ultimately, considering what's been going on in terms of football officiating this weekend, it was eh, probably one of the the better refereeing decisions this weekend. But 
we drew um, an easy tie in the next round. Rangers away at Ibrox, Jamie. Uh, looking forward to it? No. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, you know, hopefully we get a good crowd there. The atmosphere, I'm sure, will be good. But, you know, I mean, Ibrox is not a good away day, let's be real. It's one of the worst, in my opinion, anyway. I don't like going there. And... It's good money-wise. Hopefully, I don't know if it will, but hopefully that money can be used towards getting in a signings to our finances in the window. This season haven't exactly been great. Yeah, that's about the only positive I can get out of that is the finances because all you want is, you know, you want to advance through the cup, a new away day, and if not that, then a home tie. I think that's what you can ask for. But, you know, ranges away. We've drawn the old farming cup so many times of late. And then if it's not then we draw Aberdeen or Hearts. It's just, we, ne- we never get that. We never get a easier draw but uh, it's annoying isn't it? But it is what it is it's always going to happen we just have to hope that we just have to hope we can pull off an upset I don't know <laughs> that's it really just glad that we're getting money for it that's it Mark um, short of a congenital heart defect felling James Tavernier mere moments before he steps onto the pitch how are we beating Rangers? I think um, <sighs> fucking hell Um I really don't know how. To say we can, I think, would be realistic. We we could take them to extra time. I think we could take them extra time. If we can frustrate them, because famously the Ibrox crowd is very tolerant and patient, I think if we can try and get on the ball and try and just just try and get just try and play without exposing ourselves too much. I think guys like Milne and McMillan Full back in full back, I think will be key to us getting anything out of that game, especially Milne down that left hand side. I think he could be a, a, a bit of a problem for Rangers. I think they've only just made their first signing today. It's all going to be guys that we've been around and seen before, on the most part. So maybe we can maybe we can do something maybe if we can get Tiffin and Milne down that left hand side doing something or lawless maybe but I wouldn't be holding out for any miracles although I think we're going to need one I mean I don't think you need any motivation you know in terms of the game itself it's it's a free hit basically at this point isn't it like you're you're probably not going to win it if you frustrate them and get it, I mean, famously, like, I mean, I think, I think from a call, he's always said that 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 game, the Damon Gray game and the replay, that was like his biggest regret as a Thistle manager was not beating them. That was a time to win it, and they didn't. So I don't think McCall needs any motivation going into this. But yeah, it's 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 Rangers. It's it's also a Rangers that are not in Europe, um, and you know are quite far behind in the league. Be a wee bit different. I mean, like the Damon Gray game, obviously that was in the the mental 2008 season in Manchester, where we won four competitions at the one time and absolutely run themselves into the ground. Um, they don't, we don't have that luxury this time. And yeah, um, I, I, you can, you can almost visualise the Brian Graham, Graham red card and a penalty to James Tavernier, um, from a mile away. But I mean. It's one of those where when you treat the old firm with the contempt they deserve, you can sometimes take it to them. I mean, even like, obviously the Celtic-Morton game, Morton obviously got the arse handed to them, but for the first 15 minutes until that dodgy penalty, um, Morton gave a, Morton 
went to Celtic and it felt like, you know, they were putting a bit of pressure on them. And it feels like if you put pressure on them and don't just sit back, because the worst thing you can do is just sit back with 10 men behind the ball trying to preserve, you know, a clean sheet. You need to absolutely go for them. And yeah, hopefully, as you say, you know, good money. We might not get it in time for the transfer window, but, you know, we can anticipate that we're going to get that money. So hopefully we might be able to kind of um, use some of the, the reserves in the war chest um, in the meantime. Mark, do you foresee us signing somebody before the end of the season? Obviously, since the last time we spoke, Lee Hodson's contract has been extended till the end of the season, I believe. Do you foresee us making any more signings in light of the, the draw? I think maybe one one more. I wouldn't, like you say, it's all dependent on finances and stuff like that. And we know the recent stuff that the club's been through and all of that. So but I'm not expecting anybody coming in. It would be nice to get one or two, but I wouldn't be surprised. I think our squad, like our depth is actually, it's, it's better than last season. It isn't where it ideally should be, but it's certainly better than last season. And that was both in terms of both depth and balance in terms of what, what players can offer. I think we can be quite happy with the squad vis-a-vis last season when obviously the Rudden departure sort of left us completely. Like it, it wasn't just so much losing a player who scored a lot of goals. It was what he offered the team apart from scoring goals. There's not a, there's not that issue this season. Even if we were to not bring anyone in, I don't think it would be a disaster at all. Assuming we stay fairly injury free, because I know we've 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 been snake bit a wee bit recently. I think another factor that will be important is the fact that. Obviously, Westons went back to Rangers and now going out to Cove. We wouldn't have been able to play Weston in that game, so we would have been a guy short. Now we can maybe maybe we can have someone in there uh, against Rangers in the cup. We're next week to Hamilton Ackies at Farhill. Hamilton Ackies down in the basement, struggling, but they knocked Ross County out of the cup on Saturday and beat Morton the week before. So. Maybe a wee turnaround in the cards for them. Jamie, what are your hopes for this game? Do you see many changes? What, what do you think is going to happen? I don't think there'll be a huge influx of changes into the squad. I think if James fit, he'll come in for Mullen. That'd be, I'd assume Doherty will come back in. You'd think as well. You know, obviously McCall, I don't think he'll be dropping Doherty now he's back from suspension. And Lawless, I'm not sure if he's back because McCall seemed to indicate that Graham was more of a short-term thing and didn't really give a time for Lawless. I don't know if he'll be back or if he'll maybe be on the bench. So maybe Tiffany will keep his place, but I wouldn't be annoyed with it at all, to be honest. As much as loss is a huge part of us, it's always good to see Tiffany playing. I think it will be, I think it may be a bit of a stuffy game, to be honest. You know, our previous two encounters with Hamilton have been low-scoring affairs, you know, that one-each draw, which, to be honest, was we were masters of our own downfall in that game with that ridiculous own goal. And um, the 2-1 at their place was, I don't think we played amazing that day, but we came away with three points. And that was the last result before we went on that horrific run of form. So, yeah, I think it'll be a bit of a stuffy game. They'll be, you know, they're fighting for their lives down there. Like you said, they picked up a bit in recent weeks, but they obviously haven't been playing the best stuff this season in general. And they'll be looking for any points that they can. So I think they're going to make it very difficult for us. They might sit in a bit, try to absorb some early pressure, because obviously quite often we come flying out the traps in the league and try to score early. We've, we've been quite successful with it at times, but they, can, they might try to absorb that pressure up and then, Hit us in the counter or stay in, sitting for a point. I'm really not sure, but I think it'll be a stuffy game and we'll have to be persistent and just try to break them down and just keep firing balls in the box, just trying to break the lines. And I'd say it'll be a, I think we'll win, but I think we'll win narrowly. Hey Mark, 
Yeah, I agree with Jamie. I think we'll, if we win, it will be narrowly. I don't think it will be... You know, it's always that thing at this time of the season when a team like Aggies, like they get cut adrift. They can spring a surprise, let's not forget, many moons ago when uh, Clyde were really, really doomed in this division when we were going for the title with St Johnston and they beat us 1-0 again with a horror own goal which Ian Maxwell still blames Johnny Tuffy for. we always got to be cautious about these things, but I've just seen that uh, Andy Ryan is leaving Aki's for Larn in the Northern Irish League, where he'll be playing with Shea Gordon. So that'll be a big, that'll obviously be a big uh, loss for Hamilton. Listen, we all know situations financially and all the rest of that stuff can be very perilous. So that could be a bit, that could work in our favour, maybe, maybe not. Hey. I think, like, yeah, narrow win. In terms of the predictions, um, Reese correctly predicted a one-each draw um, in 90 minutes. I believe he's now top of the table in the predictions. Jamie, what's your predictions for the score for the Aki's game? Mate, I don't know how Reese keeps pulling this this nonsense off. <laughs> he keeps he keeps doing it. I don't know how, but um, like I said, I think it's going to be a tight game. But I could see us scoring twice near the end after what was maybe like a tight. 60 70 minutes, so I'm going to say we'll win 3 1. But I still think it'll be very close. Uh, Mark, what you got a prediction? Yeah, uh, I think I think we'll win 2 0. I think we'll get a goal in the first half and then we'll sort of kill it off in that sort of third quarter, so to speak. I'd go with that as well. I think Aki's are going to be a real stodgy team that I think we, we sometimes, if we can't unpick a lock from a team straight away, we struggle all game with it. Um, but I see us getting a win. I think we'll maybe get 1-0 one, one sort of early in the second half, kill it off with a second goal in the second, um, near the end. I'll go 2-0 Thistle as well. In celebration of Burns Night, we have some archive content for you from episode 31 of the podcast as me and Mark Wallace go through the top five moments of Alec Toasty Burns at Thistle. Now we'll move on to our next segment, top five toasty moments. Um, to celebrate the career of Alec Burns at Thistle. In at number five is the 4-0 victory over Dunfermline on the 7th of December 2002. I mean, at the time, Dunfermline were a crack unit. They were third in the league in the SPL, and they were five points ahead of fourth place. I mean, some of the players they had in that team, like Andreas Skeller, mm-hmm. um, Craig Brewster, Barry Nicholson, Stephen Crawford. Stephen Crawford got double digits that season, um, scoring for them, so they were by no means... A poor team. They were they were on an absolute flyer at that point. Indeed, and like I look at that Dunfermline side and the, the guys you mentioned there, as well as uh, guys like Gary Mason, Gary Dempsey, Jason Dare, who were all experienced sort of guys or young guys coming through. They are a future Thistle player. Sean Colgannon played in this game. Uh, Derek Stilly. Uh, who, despite conceding four goals, got a 7 out of 10 for his performance in, in this game. Like, there was a lot of really good players in that Dunfermline side, and of course a year later they would go on to uh, reach the Scottish Cup final and qualify for Europe. So Dunfermline were very much on the sort of crest of the sort of wave under Jimmy Calderwood and Jimmy Nicol at the time. Yeah, I, I I would agree with that. But it made it even more shocking that we managed to get a result um, out Indeed, of that. because our form in that season, sketchy at best, 
because like even if you look at it, that Dunfermline win was we only won eight games that season. Like we weren't doing well at all. Because we'd come into this Dunfermline game three days after losing four one away at Dundee. Obviously coming into it, Dunfermline, as you mentioned, going very well in the league and we would go on to lose our next two games after this Dunfermline game as well. Uh, away to Hearts and then at home to Rangers in a rather infamous match, indeed. But I mean, like this Dunfermline game, I think it really exemplified the sort of understanding that Burns and Jerry Britton had together. I mean, they absolutely ran the Dunfermline defence oh, ragged. All oh, game. definitely. Uh, Britton scored the first, and he was lucky, unlucky not to get a second because Burns mm-hmm. set him up uh, with a header that hit the crossbar that probably should have went in, to be honest. Burns got his first when Shaggy picked him out in the left with a great pass, allowing Toasty to slot it home from the edge of the box. Uh, great wee goal, but um, he then got his second dispatch on a low shot that sent the ball into the left side of Derek Stilley's goal off the boot of Lee Bullen. Even though like, Burns was subbed off after an hour, which seems a bit strange for a game where we're talking about his top five moments. I mean, the damage was done at that point, and even then, the sub that came on for him, Scott McLean, scored the fourth goal. It was just an absolutely huge victory that came out of nowhere against a very strong Dunfermline side that I think, reading the match reports from Dunfermline, they were quite dumbfounded as to where it came from. They absolutely were not expecting it whatsoever. Scott McLean comes on in that game, as you mentioned, and like he scores, which means that he... Uh, becomes like like he scores in all four divisions uh, in Scottish football. He'd scored in the third division for Inverness in his time there, and then obviously the the other three tiers with Thistle. So it was a team that had a lot of sort of steady hands. Maybe not the best, but it was a very very much a sum of the parts. Something that I think is a very common trait among. Uh, Thistle sides in the top flight certainly in this era and certainly between 2013 and 2018 as well there's a, a there's a good collective there of hard a lot of hard work with a bit of flair and, and whatnot thrown in and that partnership you mentioned with uh, Jerry Britton uh, comes we're going to come on to that later on because some of the combination play between the two of them is incredible when you consider this is early 2000s Scottish football the the link up between these guys is is terrific like it's it's the type of stuff like the sort of understanding they have is one of those things you would be going mad for today when in an age where everything's all about understanding psychology analytics analyzing where guys are knowing where guys are on the park picking things out, taking touches, reflects and such. You could, you could say sometimes it's ahead of its time. Absolutely. I think the closest we got, I know we've only seen it for maybe you know, a, a couple of games there. The closest I ever got to that sort of kinetic understanding was when Dylan and McDonald played together. Oh, yeah, definitely. They just, they just knew where each other were. It's better if they never you played with each other before. You guys know what they're doing up top. Aye. It's, it, it's a lot harder to manifesting you think it's very easy to think oh we'll get two good strikers and play them together it doesn't always work like that it's not what it's certainly not worked for bigger clubs than us it's a hard thing to do and you look at how jerry and and toasty played together as quite something and we'll move on to our next one uh, so number four the one nil against Aberdeen at Pataudry on the 8th of february 2003 this is a, a very very scrappy game both sides on quite a poor run of form at the time 
Um, yes, I, I, Aberdeen were in, uh, possibly being dragged into a relegation mire at this point. Um, certainly, re- again, reading the match reports from it, I think a lot of them felt that that was going to be them going into a relegation battle. It didn't really pan out that way, but I mean, certainly at that point, I think both teams were on a pretty poor run. It, it, the weird thing about it was is that Aberdeen absolutely were all over us the whole for the first 10-15 minutes, and then the goal came out of nowhere. Um, mm-hmm. They were taking control again. Jerry Britton delivered the ball. The, the Aberdeen defence froze for a moment, and Burns just pounced and hit a shot past David Priest in the 13th minute. Against the run of play, but it just shows you the sort of magic that they could pull out. Where even if you knock on the ascendancy, it's just that wee wee bit of luck that um, got them. But I mean, it was the only goal of the game. And I would say between this and the Dunfermline game we just talked about, those points are arguably the crucial points that kept us out of the relegation battle. I know Muddle stayed up anyway because of Falkirk Stadium was, but in alternate universe, or, you know, Falkirk you know, were going to get promoted or another team had won the championship. Not winning these two games could have seen us being relegated. It was a very tight sort of season for us, uh, State, keeping our heads above Motherwell and Dundee United in that season. And one of the things that's quite interesting is that we took nine points out of 12 often off of Aberdeen this season and if you were to say that in our tenure in the top flight since uh, you would people would think you were mad because we won both regular season games at Pataudry this season and beat them at Firhill as well uh, this game in particular uh, we did ride our luck as you mentioned we took the lead obviously in the interception of, the, of a throw in which Jerry feeds into into Toasty for the goal. Aberdeen also missed a penalty through Phil Maguire in this game. So like we did, we certainly did ride our luck, and it was it was not a bad like for, for a it was a bit of a low period in Aberdeen's history certainly, but the guys they had playing for them, Derek Young would uh, play for Thistle for a bit. Um, but guys like David Priest, Phil Maguire, Russell Anderson, Jimmy McAllister, Kevin McNaughton, like the Scotland caps in there, Darren Mackey as well. Although not the greatest striker, he, he scored a fair few, I think he scored 50 odd goals for Aberdeen. Uh, everybody's favourite reading champion, Darren Mackey. Uh, Lauren Jaffo was on the bench and on you sub who had done very well for your United, uh, in particular against us in a, in a really low point in our history. Like in our team, like what more needs to be said about guys like about Shaggy, Jamie Buchan, Jamie Buchan, David Rousen, Martin Hardy. You've got Archie, Toasty, Jerry Britton, you Ricky Waddle in there as well. A lot, there's a lot to like about that team. Stephen Cragen as well, Kenny Arthur in goals, Derek Fleming. A lot of good guys in that team. It wasn't really vintage Aberdeen certainly, but anytime you can go up to play a big side like Aberdeen and get points is, is is a great achievement. Well, especially because this is the last time we've won at Pataudry. We don't Indeed. think we've not beaten them since. And 19 years on, we've still beat them at Pataudry since this. So absolutely, at the very least, it should be cherished for that because the last time we actually took three points off of them away. We'll move on to our number three. This is the 1-1 against Airdrie on the 6th of April 2002. Now, a lot of people obviously remember Elliot's last-minute heroics against Airdrie in the 12-13 season. I would argue this is an even bigger moment for the club in, in similar circumstances. You know, it was at Airdrie. It was a championship battle. But this is, I think, absolutely exceeds the, the Elliot goal in terms of importance for us. 
we were both in a really precarious position at the moment. We we were undergoing renovations of file at the time, anticipating a promotion, uh, mm-hmm. basically, basically throwing all our chips in um, on getting promoted. Airdrie had done the same uh, previously and had paid the price. They were in deep financial trouble. I mean, all the reports talk about the charity buckets and that out. This was very, very close to Airdrie being liquidated. Ian McCall, we know we'll remember this very well because he was the manager of Airdrie at the time. We were seven points clear of Airdrie at the time, four games to go going into this. And I think as a Thistle fan, you do get the feeling that if we lose that, you would just immediately think, oh, we're chucking it. That's us. You know, we're going to lose the league. I I don't think there'd be a single Thistle fan who wouldn't have thought that. And arguably, Airdrie could have went on and won it if we hadn't uh, won that game. So, yeah, a a, a huge pivotal game. Indeed. Uh, This game, like, you mentioned there's a lot of parallels with the the 12-13 season where we scored late against the Airdrie in a, in a vitally important game in order to secure promotion or, or go a long way to doing so. In this game, we hadn't beaten Airdrie all season. Uh, of course, Ian McCall was the manager of that Airdrie team. Uh, were running themselves into the ground and ultimately they would go out of business. But that Airdrie's side had so many very talented players, one of which, of course, Owen Coyle, who was something of a bit noir for Thistle for years. He relegated us six years previously with Dundee United. Like, you've got Mark Robertson there, Jerome Verai. There's great players in there, man. So it was a tough one to deal with, considering we did blow hot and cold at times that season, even though we did eventually secure promotion. Uh, we didn't. We we made it sort of a wee bit more difficult for ourselves, and of course, Airdrie would go on to finish the season in disgrace at Air when their fans rioted because uh, Airdrie Stadium, uh, Airdrie's New Broomfield Stadium, would be built by Bill Barr, who was the obviously the construction magnate, who was also the chairman of Air United at the time. So there was a lot of perceived anger towards him and there was also rumours that uh, Barr was going to uh, dismantle the ground and move it to air to replace Somerset Park as far-fetched as that might sound it certainly is referenced in the Telegraph report for this match but yeah no it's a very very tough time and like well we mentioned Mark Roberts obviously he was the one who played played in the crossroad and Coyle and he, he taps it into the net it's it's very 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 scrappy. It's it's quintessential first division Scottish football goal. Oh yeah, like, chaos in the box. The time. Yeah, and the thing that I think is sadly lacking is that at the time the first division get TV coverage. We uh, sort of a magazine show on a Sunday afternoon. Was it Scott Sport first? first on STV? Yeah, and something I think is sadly lacking. Although I must admit. You do get the championship on BBC Scotland now, uh, um, and we've had games on there. Although it was the the sort of lower division, uh, people were aware of it. The people saw the they saw the goals, they saw the players, they saw the games. Like it's not as much now where you could. I think a lot of people would struggle to name the cha- players in the championship, and certainly if if you look at Hearts, for example, a massive team in that league. If they were to drop down at that period of the time, they probably wouldn't have that much of a clue what they were getting, what they were going to be in for. So it was at a time where things were a lot 
substantially different. Yeah, and, and this is obviously famously documented in the, speaking of television, uh, the BBC documentary Grasping the Thistle, uh, obviously covering yeah. Lambie's chase for, for the title, includes a fantastic half-time tirade where he goes off at them in the dressing room in, in vintage Lambie fashion and they bite back and start arguing and stuff like that. And then they go out and they, they get the draw. Do you have any thoughts on Grasping the Thistle yourself? Did you? I think was, I, remember what, I remember seeing a bit of it at the time when I was young and like obviously... This is that was before I really get into Thistle and like obviously I got my best mates Thistle fan. I remember watching it at the time and then obviously watching it back since. I think it's a very Thistle thing. I think it covers us very well. We I think we'd be a very difficult club to do one of those uh, Amazon Prime sort of documentaries on. I think it, something like that would be too polished for us. I don't think it would capture the essence at all. Because like I've, you've seen like obviously the Man City, and the Brazil national team and and Spurs etc have been covered by these sort of things. Like I think things like that for for us would be too it'd be too good. Obviously you need to be good to get them of patter, but <laughs> yes. I think some of that would just be too nuanced, too polished for us. But whereas grasping the thistle just sort of really hit that sweet spot. And speaking of hitting the sweet spot, it was it was Toasty that popped up with a, a superb strike. I mean, they don't really capture it in the best angle in Grasping the Thistle, but it kind of has a bit of charm to it. Ten minutes from time to equalise and basically sink Airdrie's title hopes um, at that point. And I, I would say there is a case to say if Burns doesn't score here and Airdrie go on to win the title, it would have ruined us. Because Airdrie had well, built a stadium in preparation for SPL and it backfired. There's no guarantee that if that had happened to us, we wouldn't have had similar issues. Well, uh, it nearly ruined us anyway because we were in debt to the renovations made for that uh, promotion campaign all the way into 2015 when Colin Weir put his money into the club. We were struggling long term with debt from that. So it, even to say... What if we didn't? Is like we still struggled with it, even though we went up. And for years and years and years, we were living not great at all. Like we, there were rumours certainly of us trying to sign Barry Robson and Paul Hartley from Inverness, and in that time for the season going up, and we couldn't afford to do it because we put all our money into getting the stadium ready. And so it came at the expense of players who probably could have kept us going further down the line because if you look at the money they moved on for to other clubs it could have done us a real turn down the line and we couldn't we couldn't do that because we were living basically hand to mouth in order to get promoted yeah and a case in point of how big this game was for ourselves this is the last ever game we played Airdrie um, they, were, they were liquidated after this and we never played the old Airdrie again obviously there were reborners at Airdrie United and we've played them since under another Airdrieonians again, but it, the original entity of Airdrieonians Football Club. This uh-huh. is the last time we ever played them. Our next game, number two in the top five toasty moments, is the three 0 against Motherwell from Farhill on the twenty sixth of April two thousand and three. Motherwell, uh, speaking of teams in financial turmoil, it just shows you the sort of the sort of landscape of Scottish football at that time. That Motherwell were uh, deep in financial trouble at the point and they were they finished last and were only saved by Falkirk not being able to upgrade their stadium. The thing I love about this game is that um, 
Burns actually scored five goals against Muddle this season and had been a Muddle player for about four or five years and misfired. He really hadn't. He was generally thought of by the Muddle fans as a bit of a disappointment. He never really had the form that they'd expected. And then he comes to Thistle and we sign him and he scores five goals against Muddle. It's a very quintessential Thistle thing to happen. Oh, yeah, Usually yeah. in reverse. We've seen like Danny Devine for Dunfermline or Dool in the air scoring against us. But this game's... A very interesting one. Like we score two pretty good goals in this game. The first one is obviously Toasty's goal. It's a great ball down this down out of the channel. Chases it, the angle's tightening and he finishes it absolutely sensationally. Reminds Fantastic me of goals that uh, like Chris Erskine and Lyle Taylor would later score for us. Hmm. It's one of those goals which is really emphatic from a difficult angle. The second goal uh, is the first of two goals for Jerry Britton. If there was a market for a, a new Twitter account of shite 2000s football, this goal would be on it. Um, <laughs> there is a stramash. Is it four rebounds? I think it's four Four rebounds. or five rebounds. There are, there, there are more blocks uh, in the build-up to this goal than I've caught on Twitter for mouth and half about right-wing politicians. Like, there is... Like he has a shot, it's blocked. He tries again. He cut. He digs it out. That's blocked, and then he eventually gets it into the back of the net. It's quite something. The thing I love is that uh, the celebration afterwards, when he he does the Ryan Giggs sort of yeah. uh, very on vulgar point. But the fact that it was such a horrific goal is really really funny to me. That just, I, I think that I think that adds to it. It's genuinely like, like I posted back during the sort of when the pandemic was really writhing. The club account were doing the sort of goal of the day thing, and they put up one from the 2005 6 season uh, uh, against Wraith Rovers at, at Starks Park. And it's genuinely one of the worst goals I've ever seen, either as a either playing or watching as a spectator on the telly or at, at a football match. The boy goes to kick it out. I, I, I can't even do it justice. He tries to hit the shot, but the keeper can't get to it, and the keeper ends up running into the post, and it goes in. I've no idea how Steve McConnell scores this goal. And, like, that is, for me, probably the benchmark of the worst Thistle goal I've ever seen. However, this Britain goal does actually come pretty close. Maybe not 1A and 1B, but certainly number two or number three, maybe. Yeah, it's a podium finish, certainly. And the, the, the thing I love about it is he'd done this and then scored a 15-yard bullet for the third goal. And I'm like, oh, you yeah, yeah. the wrong goal to celebrate in that way. If you'd done that for the third one, it'd have been amazing. But it's a really iconic photo of Jerry Britton. Um, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. The thing I also love about this game is that Burns had actually leave at the end of the season with Stephen Cragen after them pattering up so well for Fissile in that season and it just did absolutely nothing of note, which as a Motherwell fan must well, have been Burns so infuriating. Burns did. Yes, Cragen Burns did nothing of note. Hall of Famer, to be fair, and we played him in his testimonial. 
the only time that Motherwell fans really felt that the real ra- the real power of uh, Burns was when he was scoring five goals against him over the, a variety of games in one season. And number one in our top five toasty moments is, of course, um, the game that you get if you Google Alex Burns' party at Thistle. Um, it is the 3-0 against Kilmarnock from the 30th of November 2002. I just an incredible game and possibly Burns' best game as a footballer, I, I don't think there's much argument for that. I think this game is quite interesting for for a number of reasons. Uh, the first being the date, it's the 30th of November 2002. And two weeks before this, exactly two weeks before this, the first case of severe acute respiratory syndrome, a zoonosis caused by a coronavirus is recorded in China. Good thing that never happened again. <laughs> And not only that, Kilmarnock had five future um, Thistle players in their team in this game. Uh, Greg Shields, Stevie Fulton, Andy McLaren, Paul DiGiacomo and Craig Dargo would all go on to play for Thistle. You had the likes of DiGiacomo, you had Chris Boyd there as well. You had, yeah, there was, there was a lot of uh, talent in that Kilmarnock team. But I mean, like, in terms of talent, I mean, the, the defenders could probably not be classed as that on this game because the first goal... Um, Burns outpaces two Kelly defenders, arguably three, chases the ball down the middle to fire past Gordon Marshall for a great, a great, great goal. But the first goal like, is pretty good as well. All three goals are great. Yeah. Like, like, especially the last two. Uh, but the first goal is really good as well. I've got a lot of time for guys uh, passing the ball in front of themselves and chasing it on and getting it. Which is what he does for the first goal. He like he get he gets it down, and he plays it on for he, he plays it on for himself. He knocks it in front of himself to run onto and scores emphatically, uh, much in the style like we talked about in the Motherwell game. The second goal, the second goal for me, Eric, I could you, you could put an argument down. The second goal is actually better than the third because. He's chasing it into the channel, and although Gordon Marshall's came out, the angle is tight. He's also on the touchline. He's still got to get it over the keeper, and you've got to get the the velocity right to ensure you don't mishit it, and therefore Marshall's able to get back. And he's managed to get it over Marshall and into the goal. It's a very difficult skill get a chip right. To get two in the same game against what Gordon Marshall was not about like Gordon Marshall was a very good goalkeeper, a very good especially goalkeeper. at this time. Like Gordon Marshall, I think he was coming towards the end of his career. I'm not too sure, but Gordon Marshall was certainly not a mug. Absolutely not. I mean, like that 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 second goal actually is if he goes a, a step to the right. It is out for a shy. And like full credit for him for spotting Marshall off his line from so far away and thinking, fuck, I'm having a go. Lobbing a keeper's difficult. I've seen his, I, I reckon I've seen his maybe do it five or six times in 15 years. It's hard to do. And the way he's able to, is that angles tightening. He needs to get that touch right to A, get the ball back into the sort of goal mouth, like the sort of penalty area over Marshall and making sure that it goes into the back of the net, whether he means it or not. It's it's incredible technique to do that. And then the second goal, the second uh, chip is incredible. I talked about with the first goal. 
about making sure you get you hit the ball right and you hit you hit you, hit, you need to get everything spot on about technique about how hard you hit it and this one he just gets that wee feather light touch to just loft it high enough and up and over they act like get the angle where it dips behind them like it's like a golf shot it really it's, is like a golf it shot really is. It, 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 it the way it, in a the cloud. Way it sort of arches in the air and down over them and in it's it's an incredible goal incredible technique it's, um, it's, it's audacious is what it is and the fact oh, yeah. that it, it, it honestly it glides in on a cloud it takes it's about an hour to get technique. in the type of technique you would associate with sort of continental Europe it's a football Italia goal isn't it's it? a football it's Italia goal La Liga maybe uh, you do not associate it with the pushing rain in Glasgow <laughs> so like, it's definitely not what you expect for the time at all they're goals that should be treasured. Like I, what I watched them back, uh, preparing for this, and I'm blown away by the general quality of these of those two goals, the first two, the last two goals, because you need to be really good to do that. Like the the first goal is good too, but the other two are phenomenal. Being able to pick out that sort of one bit of space in order to get that in, quite I- something. Yeah, absolutely something that should be cherished because it's you you just don't see that anymore. And just the, the sheer like the the, the thing the, the thing that I've seen from all of these games that I've been looking back on them is see that just the ferocity and the the attacking sort of the, the the bit between our teeth. Even when we were not the better side, we were giving it a go and we were like we were playing quite. I know it definitely is testament it's testament to how Lambie had the players playing like with no doubt. In my mind, uh, there's you can see why so many Thistle fans revere him, and rightly so. There is no, nothing wrong with revering that at all, but the, the style of which we played at that in that game in particular is something else. It is something we sorely miss, but I think you've got to remember what worked for guys then. Doesn't it, maybe doesn't it really translate now, but you, you, I, you can get why people would feel like. Oh, we need to get back to doing things like that. You can see why people think like that. Because when when you get moments as good as that, you're always going to be really nostalgic for such brilliant, brilliant moments. And at the sort of end, if I can, to give an honourable mention to a goal in a game. We didn't win this game, of course. It comes actually a few weeks after this one, and it's against Rangers in that game. I talked about uh, when we were covering the Dunfermline game. There's a bit of skill in this where Jerry Britton oh, what? Oh, this, pulls, this pulls the ball out the air and he flicks it across the box for Kenny Milne to square it for Toasty to score. It is one of the most outrageous bits of skill from Jerry Britton I have seen from any Thistle player. The way he the way he just cuts through that Rangers team, that Rangers team that won a treble that season probably should have gone on to win that game. The less said about Kevin Muscat, the better. But like the, the skill involved in that game, in that goal in itself is something else. The build up is something is outstanding. The way he pulls it out of the air like he's like he's Alan Shearer. Alan Shearer was really good at that at that time. It wouldn't look at a place in the Premier League or in any big league in Europe, and yet it's 
Jerry Britton and Alex Burns for Partick Thistle in the Scottish Premiership, you know what I mean? How many clubs can say that their chief executive officer done that? Like, it's so weird seeing like you're seeing like Jerry Britton in his, his role now, and then you look at videos and you think, Jerry Britton fascinates me as a footballer. My dad's a Celtic fan, and like he remembers Jerry playing for Celtic, mm-hmm. and like it was, like, it was, it was okay. You would get guys who you would, you could tell are very good at what they do, very good footballers. And Jerry had a very good career um, in Scotland in the top flight for us and for other clubs indeed. But like I see things like that, and then you, you try to match it up with the guy like you said, and you're like. What? Can you imagine if you showed someone the clip of uh, Jerry going, that's all, folks, and locking the door, and then showed them that? Please, that, that, that's the same. With all, with all respect to <laughs> no, Jerry, it's not, it's not the same. He's a really nice guy whenever I've interacted with him. I'd rather not think about that. So we'll round off uh, with Partridge Fissel um, this week in honour of Matt, who missed the, the game on Saturday to go on a Doctor Who pilgrimage. To Cardiff, uh, I ask you. Well, I ask Jamie, I ask you two questions. One, have you been on the Doctor Who pilgrimage? And two, where's the geekiest place you've ever travelled to? I have not been on the Doctor Who pilgrimage, and the geekiest place I've ever gone. It's probably it's not exactly a trek or anything, but back in the day, Brayhead used to host this like sci-fi fair thing when I was a bit younger, and I used to go there when I was like about thirteen, and mainly for like I went for like Doctor Who and like Lego stuff back then. And yeah, that's probably the geekiest place I went. It was quite, um, I was quite nerdy, that sort of thing. Mark, much like myself, a man of many passions. Where's the geekiest place you've ever been to? A place you just totally indulged, a daft pr- pursuit that you love? Oh, Jesus. Um, would going to see a Sigur Ross movie in a pub on a Tuesday night be considered geeky? I, I would absolutely say yes. Aye, that's a thing I did. Me and a Smurf friend of the pod, um, friend, you know, Smurf PTFC on Twitter, we uh, had a wee midweek jaunt to watch a Sigur Ross documentary and broadcast before they uh, redacted, redacted, redacted. I, d- I don't know about the redacted or Sigur Ross. I'm going to I'm gonna be really... It's not to do with, with, the redacted was nothing to do with Sigur Ross. I was referring to alleged uh, labour violations by the police of... Oh, right. oh, yeah. By, oh, by the I venue. Yeah. Oh, Christ, yeah. Yes, uh, I, went to see, I went to see a Sigur Ross documentary in a pub during the week where I was, uh, this was about, four, about five or six years ago. So, yeah, that's probably the geekiest thing I've done, short of anything to do with wrestling, really. You'd also see me and you on He's Goal watching San Marino St. Lucia the other week. That's pretty geeky. Aye. I was going to say... Um, I think the geekiest thing I've ever done. Um, I love empty stadiums. I love going to empty stadiums and just walking about them and kind of just exploring them and stuff like that. So when I was on holiday in Belgium in June, we went to visit my friend in Leuven, and on the way to Leuven um, is Mechelen, who I once played as a uh, 13 years in career mode in FIFA's uh, over lockdown, and ended up just wandering around the ground for a half an hour, 45 minutes, um, reminiscing and all the sad memories that I and only I have about KV Mechelen, like, like a 39-year-old Lukaku winning the title for us against Vaseline de Beveren and stuff like that. Um, so that incredibly kicky thing to go to a stadium that you've built an empire with in FIFA. Um, what a day, what a day. I loved it. My, my, Linda was bored shitless, I'm not going to lie, but uh, I loved it. 
Uh, I think you've got me beat there, I. Um, oh yeah, my new football manager belongs out. That's about it. I'm a. I'm. And if I've not uh, put the, I just done the December 2022 blog there. I'm obviously playing as Staff Stone Football Manager. It's going really well. We're top of the league. We're doing really well. We're through to the fourth round of the cup. Uh, I've got more stuff to come in the coming days. You can find that at Wallace Till I Die, all one word, after the Sunderland documentary, .wordpress.com. I'm going to put the wee link in my bio, like a wee OnlyFans missus. Good stuff. Yeah. I always I always enjoy football. I, I mean, it's literally as someone who once visited a stadium I've done 13 years in FIFA career mode with, I can totally get behind so, uh, reading about other people's FM careers. So, um, yeah, it's always good fun, um, and I'm looking forward to reading uh, more of it. Thanks again for listening to Draw, Lose or Draw. Um, hopefully, Matt will be back to rescue us uh, from my terrible hosting skills next week. We'll be back to discuss a game against Hamilton on Saturday and preview the game against Cove. Until then, stay safe.